Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Come on. Come on. Dropping stats over beats is the fantasy freestyle. Always coming with the heat. Yo, it's the fantasy freestyle. We got strong takes and tips. It's the fantasy freestyle. You win championships at the fantasy freestyle. Dropping stats over beats is the fantasy freestyle. Always coming with the heat. It's the fantasy freestyle. We got strong takes and tips at the fantasy freestyle. You win championships you win with that fantasy, fantasy freestyle. He looks determined without being ruthless something heroic in this man. There's a courage about him. Doesn't look like a killer. Comes across so calm. Acts like he has a dream. Full of passion. You don't trust me, huh? Well, you know why. I do. We're not supposed to trust anyone in our profession anyway. Yeah, 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 you know what it is. We got speeds in the place to be. Rox is not in the country this week, although we're still going to hear from him. Remember, after the election, a lot of people were talking about moving to Canada and going to other places. Well, Rox is the only person I know who followed through with that. He is not in America right now. We'll let you know where he is, but he will still give us some takes. He'll definitely be here for our flagships, for our Game Flow Geniuses, our Diamond in the Rough, and our Fantasy Fugazis. Forget about it. However, I am not alone. I got my boy Jesse Metzger guest hosting with me. He's a Jets insider. Does a little bit of work for SNY over the last couple of years. Trust me, he's going to help you get everything you need in week 11 to win your league and win that cash. Say what's up to the people, Jesse. That's a, that's a very big uh, introduction for that. Sure, sure, sure. So the first thing I think as we get into week 11, one of the things we, we always do week by week is we look at the big injuries that are taking place. And to be honest, Jesse, uh, it was interesting on Monday after week 10 I was like huh this is a week where there's not that many injuries you know we heard about Larry Fitzgerald going for an MRI on his knee let me tell you something right now he'll be fine they're just managing his reps as a grizzled veteran I also heard about Jordan Howard but there were conflicting reports you know about would he be healthy would he be not he said that he didn't suffer anything and lo and behold he was fully practicing for the week so we do think he will be fine but then big bombshell come, you know, Monday and Tuesday of this week. First, I want to start Alshon Jeffrey. He got popped for PEDs. He's going to miss his next four games. There's also talk about Jay Cutler losing that locker room in Chicago. They got a big game against the Giants. Without Alshon Jeffrey, where do you think, Jesse, they might go for targets or production on Chicago? Well, I know that um, supposedly Marquise Wilson's back. Yep. He had last year, what was it, a three-game span? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a nice very, very productive, uh, fooled everybody. Right, right, right. <laughs> People, this, he'll come back this year, have a couple of great games. Everyone will talk about yeah, him. Are, is, this the run? is this the run when he has those three games with Alshon out? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll all overdraft him next year right. for this. Um, but no, I mean, Alshon. Cameron Meredith? Do you think, like, here's my question for you, Jesse. If you see Cameron Meredith and Marquise Wilson available in your league, right? For this next four game stretch when teams are trying to do what they got to do for their stretch run to make the playoffs, which one to you is a better pickup, Meredith or Marquise Wilson? I like Marquise because I've seen what, he, what he's done. Right. Um, I don't necessarily love the situation. Sure. You want, you know, your quarterback to be a little more positively involved in his team. Right, right, the, right. The quotes that came out of J- Jay Cutler last week were pretty astounding about not even wanting to, yeah. that nobody wanted him to play. So, right. in that face on the sideline. But, uh, but interestingly enough, they play the Giants this week. There's a lot of potential for sad face on <laughs> both sides. Oh. You know, yeah. Jay Cutler and Eli Manning. It could be interesting Ugh. to read the body language at MetLife this Sunday, huh? Yeah, you have, you have to take picks on who gets the most interceptions. There you go. We'll see which ones are turned into more memes. But, you know, the Alshon Jeffrey thing was one. But then I think we got the biggest bombshell of them all as it relates to Rob Gronkowski. After getting that hit by Earl Thomas, you know, conflicting reports again, right? Chest injury, punctured lung, whatever it is, we know he is not cleared for air travel. And the last time I saw the first, the, the way to get from New England to San Francisco is definitely by plane. So he's going to miss out on that. Um, does that mean a huge uptick for the black unicorn, Martellus Bennett? Is he someone that needs to be in all DFS lineups this week? I think Bennett needs to be started everywhere. I don't necessarily believe that he's going to suddenly become the top four or five tight end mm-hmm. that everybody says. 
I okay. mean, he had, what, two really good games with Brady, yep. but there's also the question of, you know, San Francisco is so terrible, are right. they just going to run the ball down their throats for, Absolutely. The, entirety, for the entirety of the game? No doubt, no doubt. We're going to get a little bit deeper into that um, in our next segment. We go game by game. That's definitely one of the games that we're going to talk about. But the last headline I want to bring up as we go into week 11, Jesse, is, you know, we're starting, and, and to be quite honest, if you listen to shot callers on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network with Speeds and Spitting Statistician Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or if you listen to Rocks and Speeds here on the Fantasy Freestyle, one of the things we've been talking about is as we get to this point of the season, some of the young kids start to grow in their role. And we talked about it from the running back standpoint. Guys like Paul Perkins, guys like Kenneth Dixon, guys like Derek Henry, and some others. But I want to talk about how it relates to the quarterback position because there is finally news the number one overall draft pick, Jared Goff, is going to finally get his first start at home against the Miami Dolphins. Now, you know, this has been a very interesting season for rookie quarterbacks, Jesse, as I'm sure you know, you know, where Carson Wentz has been serviceable and pretty good, but, you know, defenses are starting to adjust to him. We'll see if he can make the adjustment back. Obviously, Dak Prescott leading the Cowboys to an 8-1 and record and, uh, uh, you know, Tony Romo coming out this week and saying that Dak has earned it. As a Giants fan, how'd you feel about that Tony Romo speech, Jesse? Uh, did it make you feel for the guy? I was actually surprised and pretty and very much impressed by the Tony Romo speech. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about classy players, you think right. about great quarterbacks. You don't think it, about Tony Romo in there, right? You think about Tony Romo, but you think like, hey, last year Peyton Manning had to make that same speech. Exactly. You know what? He did not. That's true. He, he wanted, who was it, Osweiler? Yeah. He wanted that guy out of Dodge as soon as possible so that he could t- regain the dreams that. Very good point. So I as well, I tip my cap to Tony Romo because he knows that the Cowboys have a good thing going and he does not want to be a team distraction. He could come out and say, you know, he, that he still wants it to be his team. He could also try to mobilize guys like Jason Witten, Des yeah. Bryant to start being divas and start talking. But they don't want to upset the apple cart with the 8-1 and one Cowboys. But here's the thing. Even Cody Kessler has gotten snapped. So I don't know what has taken Jeff Fisher this long to anoint Jared Goff. You know, it's not like that team is going anywhere. They're going to wind up around 500 like they always do. What do you think has taken this long to finally get Jared Goff under center. I mean, the, the speculation around the league is that he's just <laughs> simply terrible. And right, right. I mean, there's there's no other way to descri- to explain it. Case Keenum hasn't exactly been blowing the doors off any right. place. And if Goff t- has taken this long, maybe he's having trouble expanding, the, getting the, the entire uh, offense under his belt. Maybe. I heard the verbiage is a little hard for him as well. Remember, he's coming from Cal, yeah. one of those spread air raid kind of systems. And I don't know if you saw hard knocks, but even in that show, just him like handling the language of yeah. Play calling, having that in the huddle was not a strong point of the rookie, so uh, they could be in trouble, huh? I think when you're a quarterback, the first thing you gotta know is which direction the sun rises in, and then eventually you gotta find your way into the deeper parts of the playbook. That's right, that's right. As you know, anybody who saw Hard Knocks, Jared Gothko, not the only Los Angeles Ram that does not know how the sun rises and sets. I mean, if you were looking at these guys, I mean, obviously Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott has, you know, or Ezekiel Elliott, you know, someone in that backfield is probably going to be Rookie of the Year. But what do you think philosophically? Shout out the Jets, who at least gave him a chance to start. It was extremely convenient that Ryan Fitzpatrick was dealing with a little bit of knee thing going on. But put put it this way. Ryan Fitzpatrick, who you know I hate, signed on a one-year deal, is not the future for the New York Jets. They've also signed Christian Hacky Sack, I call him. Uh, I don't think he's the future either, but they're giving their team and their fan base and their GM a chance to find out what they have and more so they're signaling that they understand that there needs to be a future that looks different from the present. Hello, you play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. Why in God's name is Cody Kessler being benched for Josh McCown? And Cody Kessler is not really anyone's idea of the answer or the future, but Josh McCown, the journeyman, the guy he is who we thought he was. But they are who we thought they were, and we let him off the hook. You really, unless there's something that I missed there, like Kessler mounted off to, I don't even know what's popping in Ohio. John Kasich talk some talk some smack to LeBron. Like, 
Why would you possibly even consider that for Josh McCown? You are 0-10. You're going nowhere. You have no idea what the draft may hold or who's going to really show up at the combine. But give your fan base something to hold on to, man. The Indian season's over. People are paying attention again. I think they're hustling backwards by continuing to create this little quarterback controversy. And every team that's out of the playoffs right now or going to be out of the playoffs should think long and hard about taking long, hard looks at the guys that are going to make a difference tomorrow. Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Jesse, is this, do you agree even, you know, say like the Jets um, decided to pull the plug, go with the kids to see what they have? Do you agree that um, in this NFL, it is time for uh, some teams to see what they have, play the kids, or, you know, is it that other school of thought where you might be worried about them getting killed behind a bad offensive line, or you may don't want to destroy their confidence? Where do you go? Do you think it's time to let the kids play if you're not a contender, or do you, you, you continue to shield them and look ahead to next year? I think a lot of these teams are in situations where their start, whoever's starting for them right now is not their future, Okay, and you've got to test out what your future is. Like, I mean, a big problem that the NFL in general has right now is that you're losing this great crop of older quarterbacks, right. established people. Sure. You know, Eli, Drew Brees, Philip Rivers, these guys are Tom Brady, they're all getting up there in age. Right. The new crop of guys needs to sort of step up and solidify themselves as the future of the NFL. And none of these guys seem to be able to either handle it when they're first coming out of college, or, I mean, maybe the offensive line play is just that terrible around the league. Yeah, yeah. I mean, offensive line play has been bad around the league. We're going to get into a few situations where that is definitely the case. I know they're not protecting Andrew Luck in Indianapolis. Oh and obviously, if you look at Minnesota recently, um, you know, TJ Clemens and Jake Long were battling on pro football focus for the worst offensive line grade in the league. And now Jake Long is out for the rest of the year. He had an Achilles injury. So that means they just signed Rashad Hill, undrafted free agent, to bookend uh, Sam Bradford. And Bradford is not what I would describe as a mobile quarterback. So maybe the Vikings, even after their 5-0 and start, maybe that uh, downhill continues. I'm not high on the Vikings, He's right? He's also not the kind of guy that you want to get, let people get hits on. Uh, this is true. He's not another, one of those, of that. another one of those Mr. Glass quarterbacks. Yeah. So, listen, Jesse's going to get into that with me. We're also going to hear from Rocks a little bit. He's definitely going to be giving us our uh, our diamonds in the rough, our fugazis. But let it be known, I do got to say, last week, Rocks and I made not one, but two gentlemen's bets. So let's hear from Rocks all the way down in the Caribbean. Rocks is in Curacao right now. Let's hear what Rocks had to say about our gentlemen's bets. Speeds and I, we make our gentlemen's bets. And of course, we hold ourselves accountable to them. It's with great chagrin and a heavy heart that I say to you that Speeds won not just one gentleman's bet from me last week, but both of them. And Speeds, he, he makes the best deal. So I think I've got to be a little more careful with what I agree to in the future because we had one head-to-head. It was who will do better, Julian Edelman uh, in a PPR setting or Tyreek Hill on the Chiefs in a PPR setting. And I actually spotted him 25% of Tyreek Hill's output. He didn't even need it. He outperformed Julian Edelman, and that was just an added bonus. So that was strictly in the speeds column. Also, he shouted out Zach Ertz as someone he thought was going to pop off this week. I felt like Travis Kelsey was going to be able to take advantage of a Carolina secondary that was not really covering the tight end well. Nope, wrong. And I spotted him 25% of Ertz overall output there too, which he did not need. Totally, uh, totally, totally, totally my bad. I got the whole Chiefs passing game situation wrong without Jeremy Macklin and Speeds won that one also. I'm going to be a lot more diligent with what I agree to from such an astute and shrewd deal maker moving forward. But props to Speeds. He's won the last two and I think he's won four of the last five versus me. I need to really get off the schneid, get myself back in that W column before the season comes to an end. So certainly keep your eye out for more gentlemen's bets in the future. And as always, you can check out those gentlemen's bets and weigh in before the game starts on Twitter where Fantasy Freestyle 
leave off the last E, no errors, except maybe on my part when I'm trying to predict the Kansas City passing game. Ha! That's right, that's right. So that's two more in the column for speeds. Jesse and I may wind up making a gentleman's bet here as we head into week 11. But when we come back, Jesse and I are going to go into our spotlight games where we're going to tell you who to play, who to sit, who are great values in DFS, who you might want to keep on your bench this week. We're going to get into a couple of spotlight games in week 11, including that game down in Mexico City on Monday Night Football. We'll see if we can get on the other side of the wall. We'll come back with all of that right after these messages. You got rocks and speeds. You also got Jesse Metzger here on Fantasy Freestyle on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We don't want to go 7-9. Woo! You know, kill all that noise, fam. I cannot play with them. Cannot win with them. Cannot coach with them. Can't do it. Yeah, yeah, you already know what it is. This is Fantasy Freestyle on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You got your boy Speeds here, the spitting statistician. I got my guest host, Jesse Metzger, the Jets Insider. And, of course, we got Rocks checking in for the lovely island of Curacao. He ran away from the election results and is not in this country. So here's what we do, as you know, here on uh, Fantasy Freestyle on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We take a look at some of the spotlight games in Week 11 where we have a couple of takes and a couple of players that we really want to talk about. And the first game that I want to get into with you, Jesse, this week is a one o'clock game with the Buffalo Bills. They go to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. And here's my thing about this game, Jesse. The Bengals, you know, are a much different team when they play at home and a much different team when they're playing not in prime time. You know, the Red Rifle never shows up and did not show up on Monday Night Football. He went 16 of 29 for only 204 yards, one touchdown and one inter reception against the Giants last week on Monday Night Football. I think it could be a little bit different and one player I'm looking at personally on the Cincinnati side of things is Tyler Eifert. I think when Tyler Eifert he's been growing in his role, he is now healthy again and I think he makes their offense a completely different animal. You now have to look at someone besides A.J. Green. Eifert a beast in the red zone. Remember last year when he was fully healthy at 13 or 14 touchdowns. I don't know. Obviously he's not going to replicate that, but I think um, he continues to grow and is someone you can keep an eye on. What are you looking at in this game, Cincinnati, Buffalo? Well, I, I agree with the, the Eifert situation right. because basically I, last year Cincinnati was able to lean on Marvin Jones as a number two. Right. Boyd isn't quite at that uh, point yet. Uh-huh. You need they also something. lost Sanu from last year yeah. as well. You need something to take all that pressure off of AJ Green and it's nice to have another weapon in there. Um, I also... Whether or not there's any actual um, truth to it, Zalton has played Buffalo twice. He's played Rex Ryan twice. Okay. And has beaten Rex Ryan down twice. Really? It's very possible that, you know, it's only twice, so you can't really... Small sample size. Small sample size. But it's very possible that, you know, maybe Rex Ryan's defense and the way that he likes to play against people just does not fit when, when it comes to Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton might have a great game, but at the same time, yes, he does shrink like... They're, they're fighting for a playoff spot. They are. If they lose it, it could be good for them because that means they're not going to lose the first week of the playoffs. Right, right, so. right. I mean, I think whoever loses this game is in real trouble in the AFC, and whoever yeah. wins this game, you know, is still a contender for that wild card. One other thing I want to ask you about the Bengals, Jesse. This backfield, you know, between Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard, it's kind of one of those backfields where you never know which kind of game is going to shape up, and, you know, whether it be a kind of game flow where Jeremy Hill is dominant on the ground or whether they're looking to dink and dunk and get Gio Bernard out of the flat. Which one would you ride with in this week against that Buffalo defense, Hill or Bernard? If I could avoid both of them, I certainly would. I always lean towards, um, unless there's a clear cut like Hill's going to get 10 more touches, I lean towards a guy who's going to be in the pass, involved in the passing game because when game, if game flow dictates, they will get more time. They'll also have, they have a good uh, floor as far as like they're going to catch stuff out of the backfield. Um, but man, they have both been brutal. I would, I would guess Geo for this this week, but I wouldn't trust either one. Fair enough, fair enough. We keep it moving. We go to an interesting afternoon game. There are two afternoon games we want to talk about. The first one is a bird battle in Seattle. The Philadelphia Eagles go up to Seattle to take on the red hot Seattle Seahawks. 
Bucks. And I got to tell you something. Russell Wilson is looking healthy again. And boy, is that a big difference. To be quite honest, he outplayed Tom Brady last week. Russell Wilson went 25 for 37, 348 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. But more importantly to me, I saw him once again doing that spin move out of the pocket to avoid the rush. That signals to me that he is healthy. He has a ton of weapons. Jimmy Graham playing well. Doug Baldwin coming off a three-touchdown performance. But let's get into this a little bit because we have an, a, an evolving backfield in Seattle as well. You know, C.J. Proseis had a huge game against New England last week, 7 for 87 uh, in the past game, but also toted the rock 17 times for 66 yards. Now we are hearing, you know, obviously they cut Christian Michael earlier in the week. He got picked up by Green Bay. But that signals to me that Thomas Lou Rawls is back and is probably going to be active in this game. How are you approaching this backfield in Seattle, Jesse? Are you taking a wait-and-see approach? Do you think they're going to continue to ride ProSize? Or do you think, you know, um, Rawls in his first game back gets 15 carries? How do you think this plays out up in Seattle? I think ProSize is, get, is getting the ball. Okay. I, I think, I mean, there's no reason to kind of pull back the reins on what he did last week. Mm-hmm. Um, Rawls, whether or not health, whether or not he's fully healthy is still a question. Um, you know, you want to ease guys back in like the, in, into those sorts of situations. There's no reason, like, when you have, um, when you're able to throw to Doug Baldwin three three touchdowns, when you're Fair able to, to gun it all around, why even uh, worry about your between tackles uh, running back right now? Wait, hold off, you know? You might need him to run that ball on the one-yard line in the, in the Super Bowl. <laughs> the Seahawks do know about that, but uh, you heard it here first. Jesse Metzger over here thinking that um, ProSize is the back to earn and take a little bit of a wait and see. Let's see what um, Thomas Rawls actually does. Hello? You play to win the game. Next game we want to talk about where the New England Patriots, albeit without Rob Gronkowski, travel to San Francisco to take on the hapless Niners. And, you know, you mentioned LeGarrette Blunt. I was toying with him of the idea as my diamond in the rough, and we'll hear what Rock says out of Curacao a little bit later on. But I think, listen, um... The San Francisco 49ers run defense is historically bad. Uh, last week or two weeks ago, they were giving up 185 yards a game. We were wondering if it was going to be Ingram or Hightower. And both of them ate. They gave up over 200 yards on the ground in that game. Here's the way I think this game is going to play out. And I'm, I'm thinking about it a little bit differently than most. I actually, I don't know if you've seen Jesse, but the point spread in that game, the San Francisco 49ers are 13 and a half point home underdogs. And I'm telling you, I'm taking those points and the San Francisco 49ers, and here's why. Don't get me wrong. The Patriots are going to dominate this game. But like you said, Bill Belichick not only just takes away what the other team does best, I think Bill Belichick is going to try to win this game as conservatively as possible. Don't forget, without Gronk, don't forget, they have a 39-year-old quarterback, okay? And you've been talking about saving your guys. I think they're going to try as much Garrett Blunt as possible. I think they're going to try and be conservative and just hop in, get a win, and get out. So to me, when they're up by 10 or 14 in the second half, I think they're going to grind it down, run out the clock. So I am down on Julian Edelman. I am down on other guys on the outside, Danny Allen Mandola. Throughout the season, if you've been listening to Fantasy Freestyle or Shot Callers, I've been telling you, all of the Patriots' production has come from the tight ends and from the backs, not from the guys on the outside. I've already said you could drop Julian Edelman in standard leagues with because he's only getting 40, 50, 60 yards a game. I think they're going to go ahead and win, but in very business businessman-like fashion. Do what they gotta do. A lot of LeGarrette Blunt. Grind it out. Not worry about missing Gronk. Get the win. Hop in, hop out, and get out of there. What do you think? Well, it's definitely, I mean, it's the big fear with Bill Belichick. Every year, especially towards the second half of the season, you get one of those games. Exactly. You get when James White scores three right. touchdowns out of nowhere. When some random player, Belichick, decides he wakes up on Wednesday and goes, alright, you're gonna be the focus of our offense today right. for this week. And nobody's gonna know it's gonna that this is gonna happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
Dion Lewis. Could that be a returning Dion Lewis this Who week? Who knows what's going on with Dion Lewis? Maybe right. a lot of short passes to Dion Lewis. Sure. So what does that mean for James White? Are, are you starting to fade James White because D, this is Dion Lewis's role? And he was nasty yeah. in the first half of last year. Better than James White in that role. So are you starting to see maybe this is Dion Lewis's breakout party because he's fresh and then that's it? I think the hope is not only does Dion Lewis sort of break out, but I think he completely makes James White an afterthought. Interesting. I don't think James gets touches after if Dion can prove that he is Dion White. So it may be time for you to start fading James White. And if you haven't had your trading deadline in your league yet, that might be someone interesting that you can give up because he is not going to continue the same production. I want to move on uh, because, you know, on the San Francisco side, there's not really much to talk about. And I know that, Jesse, you may be talking a little bit about Colin Kaepernick. It's my firm belief that Colin Kaepernick is only kneeling at the beginning of this game, not at the end. Hello? You play to win the game. With the time we have left in this segment, let's go to that last game. Monday Night Football in Mexico City at Stadium Azteca, where the Houston Texans, it is technically a Oakland home game. So here's my question for you. You know, Oakland is down south uh, in California, and you got Houston. Which team is going to have more fans down there? What do you think? Oh, it's, it's, it's a weird one. It's like uh, the London game. Right. You'll get a whole bunch of expats, and you also get like... Maybe maybe it'll be a good Oakland crowd. Maybe, right? Traveling down there. Because uh, who likes Texas? Let's be honest. I hear you. I hear you. Who wants to root for a team that's maybe they're going to passing yards last week? Yeah, exactly. So that's that's really what it comes down for me on this one. Remember, you heard me say uh, earlier in the show, fade Brock Osweiler as much as possible. Unfortunately, I also think it's time to understand that this is not turning around for DeAndre Hopkins at all this year, and this is not DeAndre Hopkins' fault. DeAndre Hopkins is still an incredible talent, but Brock Osweiler and him are not on the same page. Remember, Osweiler threw for 99 yards in a victory last week. So, what is there anybody on the Houston Texans you think is viable for fantasy? I mean, or let me frame it this way. DeAndre Hopkins is no longer a wideout one. Yeah. Is he a wideout two? Is he a wideout three? Is he a flex play? Where do you see DeAndre Hopkins given the productions he's had with Brock Osweiler? It's, it's difficult. It's, I mean, I, I will lay it completely at Osweiler's feet because you, you don't go and go like Brian Hoyer. That's oh, a, yeah. That's DeAndre, Hopkins, DeAndre Hopkins produced last year with TJ Yates, oh with, uh, you know, Brian Hoyer and Ryan Mallett. Yeah. And we're saying that Brock Osweiler is worse than these guys? It's, I mean, it's incredible. I mean, and at the beginning of the year, you thought uh, Will Fuller was going to be a right. source of consistency. He's, he's, he's injured, a little yeah. bit banged up. I mean, uh, that whole team, what, Lamar Miller is what you, what you want to put your money on? I guess Lamar Miller. But remember, in the beginning of the season, they were giving Lamar Miller the ball 20, 25 times a game. They've gone away from that a little bit, and I'm not sure why, because um, that was working for them. So I think there's a lot of things in Houston you want to avoid. I say sell, sell, sell. I would even personally downgrade DeAndre Hopkins to a wide out three at this point in time. However, on the Oakland side, there is no shortage of wide receivers that you can get in your lineup. Both Crabtree and Cooper, I think, are legitimate startable week in, week out. What I'm very impressed about when it comes to the Oakland Raiders is they're winning in different ways. Three weeks ago, Derek Carr, 500 yards passing. Then two weeks ago against that Denver Broncos pass defense, you see them run the ball like crazy with six offensive linemen. Latavius Murray scoring two or three touchdowns in that game. What do you think? Which Oakland Raiders team shows up? Or is this a trap game? Monday down in Mexico City for the Oakland Raiders. Uh, anytime you're traveling, I think you're automatically in the trap game situation. But uh-huh. um, yeah, I, I would have to imagine they're going to throw it. Okay. Um, I, I like their, their offensive weapons a lot more than I want to ride Latavius Murray all day long. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's really going to come down to, I guess, what Houston can put up. If if Houston comes out and scores, you, I, I think you're, you'll see a lot more of, of an offensive game. But if it's if it slows down, you might get a whole lot of nothing from both sides. Right, and a lot of Latavius Murray. One thing I would say, Latavius Murray coming off an incredible game, 20 carries, 140. 
114 yards, three touchdowns in their last game against the Broncos. But don't forget, even in that game, they give DeAndre Washington 10 carries. They give Jalen Richard eight carries in that game. Um, so the team combines for over 200 yards rushing, but it is not all Latavius Murray. Up until then, he has actually been, in my opinion, touchdown dependent. If you listen to shot calls and fantasy freestyle, you know I've been fading Latavius Murray. Don't be surprised if your Washingtons and your Richards get involved in this one. When we come back here on the Fantasy Freestyle on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, you're going to be hearing from rocks from out in Curacao. You're always going to have speeds of spitting statistician. We got Jesse Metzger with us filling in. He's the Jets insider. Um, we're going to be right back after this. We're going to pay some bills. Come right back. Stick around with us. KKK, we are back on the Fantasy Freestyle on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. And check us out. We're moving into our flagship segment here. We're going to give you our game flow geniuses, our diamonds in the rough, and our fantasy fugazis. Forget about it, yo. Jesse is not as familiar, so I'm going to start it off with a game flow genius. And Jesse, my first game flow genius this week is none other than Delaney Walker. I think this Titans-Colts game is a huge match because I am not a believer in the Houston Texans, even though they are 6-3. and three. I think Brock Osweiler is trash. That offense is trash. And I think the winner of this game has a very good chance to catch up and overtake the Texans for the AFC uh, South Championship division winner there. You may not know it, but this Tennessee Titans team, they have been putting up points in their last five games, scoring bunches since week five. And Marcus Mariota has been taking care of the ball. I think against this 30th ranked defense in the Colts, the Colts are giving up 402 yards a game. That is a doo-doo defense. I think this game is going to be sneaky high scoring. The, the Titans are going to employ exotic smash mouth as they usually do, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Marcus Mariota throw the ball a little bit more than normal. Even last week in that game against the Packers where they dominated, Mariota went 19 for 26. I expect him to have over 30 attempts in this game, and I think many of them will go to his security blanket, Delaney Walker. Delaney Walker looks good now, looking healthy, coming back from the injury. Last week, he had nine catches for 124 yards and a touchdown. That touchdown was caught from DeMarco Murray, not Marcus Mariota, interestingly enough. But I think the Titans are going to throw a little bit more than normal because they're going to have to to keep up with the Colts and what I expect to be a shootout. Take the over in this game, but I do not believe in the Colts' defense, so I think Delaney Walker is a solid tight end one and will return value in daily fantasy in week 11. That's why Delaney Walker is my game flow genius. I want winners. I want people that want to win. My second and final game flow genius for week 11 is Blake Bortles. I think Bortles service will continue. Now listen, am I saying that I think Blake Bortles is a good football player? No, I am not. But remember, this is game flow genius. They are traveling up to Detroit, the same Detroit Lions that assumed first place in the NFC North on their bye week because of the ridiculous play of the Minnesota Vikings and the questionable play of the Green Bay Pack. So first place Detroit, they're at at home. I think they're coming off a bye. They're going to play well, right? But that Detroit defense is not good against the pass. They are 27th in the NFL against the pass. So, you know, Blake Bortles, I think, is going to continue to chuck it. I think there's going to be a lot of garbage time in the second half. And here's something else that many people don't realize. There have now been three games so far for the Jacksonville Jaguars where Blake Bortles has been the team's leading rusher. And that's crazy. There was a, uh, Two weeks ago, we saw Chris Ivory have a good game, get over 100 yards. But last week, Ivory was right back to normal. He went nine carries for 31 yards. TJ Yeldon was nine carries for 32 yards. Blake Bortles has the potential to get you 30, 40 rushing yards. And I think he's going to have a ton of garbage time action up there in Detroit. And those points count just the same. Put me down for Blake Bortles with over 45 attempts. I think he'll get over 
300 yards. I think he'll get at least one, if not two, garbage time touchdowns, all because of the game flow. Give me the Detroit Lions in that game. I like them to cover the six and a half point spread, but I like a lot of garbage time points for Blake Bortles. That's why he's my second game flow genius of week 11. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. So we got Jesse Metzger over here. Jesse, who's your first diamond in the rough for week 11? I'm going to go with Vernon Davis. Uh-huh. Love me some Vernon Davis. I mean, it's been detrimental to Jordan Reed, but you got a game against Green Bay, so there's going to be a lot of throwing, a lot mm-hmm. of passing involved. Yep. Davis is 14 for 14 over his last three games, has caught six for six, then five for five, then three for three. But Catching every, all those targets, no drops. Getting every target, getting some touchdowns in that, in that period of time. Deshaun Jackson might not be there. Right. So I think, especially, you want to talk about like DFS and stuff like that. Vernon Davis, he's cheap. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's really looking for him. I, I picked him up this week uh-huh. on, in a league. So, I mean, I'm happy with him. I like what he's been doing the last couple of weeks. I say ride that. Nice, nice. I like that call a lot, Jesse. I like Vernon Davis as a diamond in the rough. It looks like even though uh, Jordan Reed is healthy, they are still finding ways to get uh, Vernon Davis the ball, and they're looking for him in the red zone. Interestingly enough, Jesse, uh, seamless transition. My first diamond in the rough. Same game, same offense. I'm taking the aggregate and I'm calling Kirk Cousins my diamond in the rough for this game. Let me tell you something. Uh, I agree with you, Jesse. In that Sunday night football game against Green Bay, uh, points are going to be scored and points are going to be scored through the air. Um, So many things, I think, set up for Kirk Cousins to have a nice game. Okay, First of all, the Green Bay Packers run defense is number one in the NFL. They're only giving up 79 yards per game on the ground. Good thing for Washington, they're not trying to attack anybody on the ground. You know, they're going with Rob Kelly, it looks like. Matt Jones, they're saying, is going to continue to be a healthy scratch. But to be quite honest, the running back on Washington I would want to have would be Chris Thompson. And that's because Kirk Cousins is going to continue to be a volume play. That's where Kirk Cousins does, okay? And it's kind of hard for me to figure out who on any given day is going to be the favorite target. Will it be Pierre Garçon? Will it be Jordan Reed? Will it be Vernon Davis, as you mentioned? I'm also very high moving forward on Jamison Crowder, especially if you are in Dynasty League. I don't know how many times I got to tell you, but this is Speeds, the spitting statistician, calling his shot. Jamison Crowder will be their wideout one next year because Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon are on the last year of their deal. But in situations like this, I like to not pick try to pick which one of the wide receivers are going to pop off. But when I think it's going to be a lot of production, I'm taking the aggregate. I'm taking Kirk Cousins. Last week, Kirk Cousins went 22 of 33 for 262 yards and two touchdowns. I think he improves on those numbers. I think Kirk Cousins will get over 25 completions. I think Cousins goes for over 300 yards. I think he finds the end zone at least twice. He may even throw for three touchdowns. Remember, this Packers defense got victimized through the air. They are only average um, against the pass while they're very stout against the run. I think the game plan is going to be Kirk Cousins through the air early and often. You like that? I like that. I like Kirk Cousins this week, week 11, as a diamond in the rough. Hey, uh, Jesse, you got another diamond in the rough for week 11? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to load up on Dixon, on, on the Ravens, because Dixon, okay. I don't particularly believe in I think the Terrence West experiment has done. Uh-huh. It's, it's, he's been winding down over the past couple of weeks. The Ravens' offensive line is depleted, to say the least. Mm-hmm. And I think you're going to have – you need a guy who's better out in space, who yep. can catch the ball better. Um, I mean, in the same way, I think Steve Smith will probably get a, get a lot more targets this week. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I don't want Terrence West. I want Dixon, and I think Dixon's going to get the ball. Listen, I think that's a great call as a diamond in the rough, Jesse, for Week 11. And let me add to that um, – Marcel Yanda and Alex Lewis, both starting guards for the Baltimore Ravens, are injured and now out. Okay, so that I think even speaks more to your point. They are not going to run Terrence West. They are not looking for the inside the tackle back. I think it winds up being um, Kenneth Dixon, a lot of swing passes, a lot of checkdowns, and I think Kenneth Dixon gets a lot of burn that way. Yeah, with your guards gone, you're just not going to have the time to sit back in the pocket and wait for a guy to get open downfield. You're going to have to move that ball fast. 
crushed and get it out of your hands. Absolutely. Uh, and listen, last last week, Kenneth Dixon had six carries for 38 yards. He also caught five balls for 42 yards. I've been on him for weeks telling you, remember, like we said at the top of the show, this is also the time of year where some of those rookies will grow in their role. We're seeing expanded roles out of some other rookie running backs, and I think Kenneth Dixon fits really nicely in that category. We're going to keep it moving, though. My second diamond for week 11, we go to that Chicago offense, and I like Zach Miller this week. We talked about it a little bit before. Early in the show, we talked about how Alshon Jeffrey is missing the next four games because of the performance-enhancing drug suspension. At the top of the show, we talked about guys like Cameron Meredith and Marquise Wilson. Now, if you remember, Jesse wasn't that high on either of them, to be quite honest, taking a wait-and-see approach. I think, though, in the short term, this week, Jay Cutler is going to lean on targets that he is familiar with, and Zach Miller has gotten over seven targets already in the last three weeks in a row. I think we're going to see an uptick in targets for Zach Miller. I think in a game, again, that is going to kind of be back and forth and one through the air. Both Jay Cutler and Eli Manning, I think, will be throwing the rock in this one. I think Zach Miller winds up being the only true trusted target for Jay Cutler. I put it at uh, Zach Miller over 10 targets in week 11. I think he goes for at least seven catches. I think Zach Miller goes for at least 75 yards, and I think he could mark it down. Zach Miller will find the end zone in MetLife. Maybe he'll find Jimmy Hoffa as well in week 11. So, Zach Miller is another diamond in the rough. Well, I, I want to follow up quickly on the Miller thing, but historically, I know the Giants have just been awful against, against tight the tight ends. ends. Yeah, they are they bad against no, the tight no, end. No chance. They are bad against the tight end, and so let's see what those linebackers can do against Zach Miller. Now, listen, so far, you know, I got Jesse Metzger, the Jets insider. You know we got rocks and speeds. We've been giving you our game flow geniuses. We give you our diamonds, but for every diamond, there's always a Fugazi. That's a Fugazi. How do you know it's a Fugazi? You looked at it for two seconds. What is a fake? Yeah, I know what a Fugazi is. Someone who people are looking at, but I'm saying, eh, not so fast. If you look a little bit deeper, you see the flaws in those diamonds, and they become Fugazis, all right? So here's one Fugazi I want to give you. My first Fugazi is Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry on the Miami Dolphins. This has been a guy, especially in PPR leagues, who has been set it, forget it. You know he's going to get seven, eight, nine grabs week in, week out. However, I think some things are changing in the Miami offense. They're going much more run heavy. They've been featuring Jay Ajayi. I know we're going to talk about that a little bit more. Jay Ajayi has been doing work. I think this game, this team is moving to a run first offense. The other thing that concerns me about Jarvis Landry, quite frankly, is the emergence of Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker has been growing in his role. Got five for 103 last week. I think, to be honest, they are looking away from Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry has not been that PPR target monster. And outside of that, this is a guy who's getting all underneath routes, you know. So he's like a six-catch, 47-yard kind of guy. So if you are in standard leagues, you can drop Jarvis Landry, in my opinion. And if you're in PPR leagues, I actually think you might want to find the bench for Jarvis Landry. That's why in week 11, Jarvis Landry is my first. That's a easy. How do you know it's a Fugazi? You looked at it for two seconds. It's a fake. Hey, I know what a Fugazi is. Hey, Jesse, I know you know some jewelers out there. Uh, when you look at who are the fake stones, who are the Fugazis this week, some of people need to avoid at all costs. Um, I think it's been a very popular pickup, Colin Kaepernick. Yo, he's actually held me down in DFS the last two weeks with that garbage time and that running, but not this week. I I've been taking him too, but I, I believe very strongly in the notion that Bill Belichick, what he does best of every coach is he takes away what you use, what you're most efficient with. Kaepernick's legs are what makes him a great floor play. And it's kind of the only weapon the 49ers offense has, right? Yeah, I mean, you stop Kaepernick from running, he's been a 53% passing completion. Yeah, so we're year. forcing him to beat us yeah. from the pocket, is that it? Forcing the beat you from the pocket. He's not, I mean, Torrey Smith is, injured, is still has a bad back, so who yeah. knows what his downfield weapons will be doing. Um, 
Um, he's got he's building his rapport with with Curly, but who knows how well that is? I tr- truly just believe that he's not going to look as good this week as he has the past three or four weeks. I'd avoid. Yeah, I mean you got to expect regression eventually, and I mean come on, the guy didn't even vote. He's not even registered to vote, right? So is he going to be able to have a three-game streak with solid production? I don't think so either. I think that's a great call, Jesse. That's the Jets insider, Jesse Metzger over here. He calls Colin Kaepernick his fugazi for Week 11. Forget about it. That's a fugazi. How do you know it's a fugazi? So those are the fugazis and the diamonds and the game flow geniuses from Jesse and your boy Speeds, the spitting statistician. Let's go down to Curacao, though, and hear what Rox has to say about our flagship segments. What's good? It's your boy, Rox, here to give you just a couple real, real, real quick flagship segments. And those are our Game Flow Geniuses, our Diamonds in the Rough, and our Fugazis. I'm coming to you from the island of Curacao. It's a beautiful place. It's sunny. There's fish in the sea. There's beer in my hand skies as far as the eye can see and my game flow genius is someone that I think enjoys the good life who's not afraid to get a little twisty with it who's not afraid to you know run to where the grass is greener and I think that Legarrett Blunt is going to dominate this 1 and 9 San Francisco 49ers defense in the second half of their game this week. Without Gronkowski, who also does do work as a blocker, most likely, I think the Pats will be a little more likely to lean on the run game rather than trying to get too cute. I think they want to keep all of their skilled players healthy. I think you're going to see a lot of LeGarrette Blunt coming off that big, impressive three-touchdown game that a lot of people did not see coming against the Seattle Seahawks. He has been running hard all year. The San Francisco 49ers have simply not been defending the run hard at all. They haven't been defending the pass hard. They really haven't much looked like they've wanted to be there at all this season. The biggest story out of San Francisco has been Colin Kaepernick's protests, not any of what their team is actually doing. And I think they are going to roll over and play dead even at home against a New England Patriots team that is looking pretty solid. I think he is going to be in line for a heavy workload, and I think he's probably going to get in the end zone at least once. Let's even say twice. Let's say two touchdowns from a man LGBT. We need him more than ever as a country and as a fantasy owner or DFS player. You should take a long look and see about getting him up in your lineup this week. My diamond is from the much maligned school of players who we thought would really pop off this year but have not. I am talking about D-Hop, the D-Hopopotamus, DeAndre Hopkins. He had a very quiet game last week, held under 50 yards, just a couple of grabs, and he's been dealing with horrible quarterback play from Brock Osweiler all year. The line is trash. Lamar Miller not getting the carries. We thought they're in complete shambles. However, I do think that Will Fuller is going to play in this one, take a little bit of attention off him, and Oakland has shown they can put points on the board. I think you're going to see a lot of desperation time, garbage time in this game for Houston. I really think it's going to benefit DeAndre Hopkins. He's certainly hard to fire up as a wide receiver one, or even really a wide receiver two these days in fantasy. However, the match up is right for this one and in DFS he's very very reasonable and I think also it's a nice contrarian play because a lot of people have jumped ship there they've gotten off that D hop train but that D train it goes from Brooklyn all the way up to the Bronx and then to the end zone this week you're going to see a touchdown at a D hop and the Houston Texans are going to finally show some glimmers of hope on offense to go it's been solid defensive play and I think that this could be a trap game for those Oakland Raiders. You heard it here first, folks. And for my Fugazi this week, it's a player I 
love personally. It's a great guy. It's not someone I like to shine a light on. But Larry Fitz this week, I do not really see it happening against a Minnesota Vikings secondary while he is looking pretty banged up. Carson Palmer has thrown for over 350 yards the last couple weeks. But he has been erratic, sporadic, and quite frankly, hard to trust all season. You know that Speeds has been high on that Xavier Rhodes. I gave him the nickname Bumpy Rhodes. I do not really trust the Arizona offense to be able to consistently move the ball on the road against a Minnesota team that is now seriously playing, not just for NFC supremacy, but to make sure they stay in the playoff picture. I think they are going to come out hot in this one, and I think they are going to make life hell for Carson Palmer, and he's shown when he does not have time to throw, when he's pressured, he's not able to make those throws, and I do not think that the Arizona wide receivers scare people nearly as much as we expected them to before the season. You know, I mean, uh, there's been a sighting, a sighting finally of Michael Floyd, and you saw this last year. As Michael Floyd ascended, Larry Fitzgerald took a backseat. I'm not entirely sure if that's what's happening yet, but I would say as a Fitzgerald owner, you can't really be happy about it. Plus, there's J.J. Nelson and John Smokey Brown in the background. I don't really know. I don't think that you're going to be able to see Arizona operating with the luxury of David Johnson moving the ball on the ground, and there's going to be a lot of pressure on them on the road in an extremely loud, noisy, and hostile environment, and therefore, for me, Fitzy Fugazi. Forget about him. Forget about him this week. There you have it. That's Rocks, Mr. Fistful of Rings, giving it to you with his Game Flow Genius, his Diamond in the Rough, and his Fugazi. Listen, Jesse, I want to thank you for coming on to Fantasy Freestyle here in Week 11, and remember, guys, you can catch Fantasy Freestyle on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, on the Audio Boom, on the Stitcher, on the Google Play. Subscribe to us on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Freestyle. Leave off the last E because we don't make any errors on the Fantasy Freestyle. Thanks again to Jesse Metzger. He didn't make any errors either here on Week 11. And uh, we're going to be back next week. But before then, you guys are going to be having Thanksgiving. So by the time you're all stuffed, unbuckling that belt a little bit, you'll be able to hold it down with Fantasy Freestyle. We'll give you everything you need next week. But go do the plays we gave you this week to help you win your league and win that cash. Say goodbye to the people, Jesse. Bye. Alright, that's about it from him. I'm your boy Speeds, the spitting statistician. This is Fantasy Freestyle on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We're out of here. Ha ha! Third and four. Looks into the nickel of San Francisco in the secondary. Hey, somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat and a red shirt. Now he takes off the shirt. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's at the 30. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. Now he runs the opposite way. He runs at the 50. He runs at the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. The 20. They're chasing him. They're not going to get him. Waving his arms. Bare-chested. Somebody stop Look that out. man. Here comes the blue coat. Oh, they got him. Here comes the blue coat. Oh, and they tackle him at the 40-yard line. That was the most exciting thing to happen tonight. Look at the police. They've surrounded this man like he is... Like like he's just robbed a bank. I tell you what, he got a whole lap in before they got him. I mean, that was was pretty good. I expected him to go down much sooner. Yeah. But uh, I hope it was worth it, my friend, because you've got a night in the clink coming up. (laughs) 